Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Grab your Bibles real quickly, if you don't mind. Grab your Bibles real quickly. Go to Luke chapter 6. I believe there is a word from our Lord and Savior for us today. If you don't mind, stand as we read the word. While you're standing, if you could just repeat after me and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, it doesn't matter what happened to you or what you got waiting for you on the outside of these doors. At this moment, your eyes, your ears, your heart belongs to the Lord because you're trying to find something that's going to give you the strength to continue to push on. Amen. Luke chapter 6, I believe there is an interesting uh, lesson for us to learn today. We find ourselves in this text. This is right uh, in the earlier part of the text. Jesus has done these things that the the Pharisees will not accept is healing on the Sabbath. All they're looking at and talking about how in the world you're going to heal on the Sabbath. You're breaking the law. You don't supposed to be doing anything. Jesus says, listen, I'm the son of God. I'm the son of man. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. I don't have to justify anything to you, uh, but yet and still, let me show you how much God I am. And so he does this thing. He heals on the Sabbath. Now, before we get to where I am in the text, because we know what happens in the beginning, him healing on the Sabbath, and then we know the end of this particular, particular part, part of the passage in Luke chapter 6, because we've come to learn it as the Beatitudes. This is where God said, blessed are those who are this, blessed are those who are that, blessed are those. That's where we learn to be blessed. And we're going to be dealing about the Beatitudes a little bit in the future, but today I want to deal with a particular piece of the text that's just stuck in the middle. I think oftentimes it gets overlooked. And it's those things that get overlooked that maybe can be a game changer in your life. And that's what I'm praying for today. So Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 12, I only want to read two verses for you today. When you got it, say, I got it. Uh, When you got it, say, I got it. Amen. For those of you who don't have it, let's get it on the screen. This is what we read. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. And it simply says this. It was at that time he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whole night on a mountain in prayer to God. Verse 13, this is where I kind of get happy at because something unique happens. The Bible says, and when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also named as apostles. I'm not going to even get into the name on today. I just want you to know that he prayed all night long. Somebody say prayer changes things. Not only did he pray, but when he woke the next morning, he went and got his disciples and he chose 12 of them and made them apostles. For today's message, I want to give you a title that's very simple. You ought to be able to take it home with you. And that title is simply this, Chosen. You may be seated. Chosen. Listen, man, my son is playing football. And there's nothing like a dad with a boy that play football. I am so excited. I don't have to just cheer for the Cowboys anymore. I can be that dad that's out there with the cool hat, the cool chair, the cooler full of ice and soda, and I'm just yelling. They're going to think I'm the coach from the sideline because my son is playing football. My son told me 
He says, Dad, I'm going to be a running back. I looked at his build. He wasn't thick enough. I was like, no, man, your, your dad was a DB. He was a defensive back. I would line up on that line and backpedal. I would jam him up on that line. That's what I did. You need to be like your daddy, baby. That's what you need to do. He was like, no, Dad, I'm going to be a running back. I didn't believe him. Wasn't. I was like, I know the DNA that's inside of you. You, you ain't got it. You can't see the holes, baby. You can't even control your body. You're you, you too wild. You're all over the place. So we went to boot camp. We went to boot camp in Waxahachie, and he was working out. You know, you always think that your kid is the greatest kid in the world. He's my child. No matter what, I'm going to cheer him on. He's amazing. But when I got out there, I saw how great he really was. He was the tallest kid in this group. When they were running, he was the fastest kid in this group. And before you know it, all the coaches, they weren't even paying attention to the other kids. They were just talking to him. And I'm like, why are these grown men talking to my son? And you know, I'm trying to be that dad that chills. This is my first day. I'm not trying to show out. And he comes and tells me after, he says, Dad, they always, they want me to play on their team. I'm like, what do you mean? He says, man, I, they want me to be on their team. And they said I could be a running back. I was like, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. I, I played with you. I said, I, you, you don't even want to catch the ball. Running backs don't just run the ball. You got to block to be a running back. And, and so I talked to him about all of these things. And sure enough, when I went and talked to some of the coaches, the first thing that came out of their mouth, yeah, I want him to be my running back. One even said he's going to be my fullback. Man, he's going to be my fullback. Yeah, I, I, I can help him with this. I can help him on that. Isaiah on the first day was chosen. He didn't have to wait a long period of time. He didn't have to wait to draft day. There were coaches that literally said, just go tell the head coach to sign him up on my team now because they wanted him right now. Usually people have to wait. New kids never played before. They have to wait. But they seen so much potential in Isaiah that they chose him right then. I don't ever remember getting chose like that as a kid. I, I was clumsy. I mean, I, I didn't have it, you know. Only reason they let me on the basketball team so I could be the person that fouls out. That's, that's why it happened for me. It, I was the most physical person they had. But Isaiah on day one, never playing organized football, was chosen. And when he got in the car, you couldn't remove that smile from his face. It was nothing you could tell anybody. He went home, and he started watching every video that it was to watch about how to be the best fullback. He began to understand that the three-point stands, everything I got to do, who I got to block. Dad, this play does this. And, and sometimes they'll give the ball to the running back, but sometimes they're going to give it to me as the fullback. And I can also ultimately end up being the running back. There's so many things. He was just so excited, even to this day. I have to look at him now and say, man, I don't even want to talk about football anymore because he talks about it. So much. But it's all because he's excited because he was chosen. When I look at this particular passage of text, it makes me excited because I've learned something about myself that maybe I've heard people say, but I didn't really understand, and what it means to be chosen. What it means to be chosen. I used to always walk around and just talk about, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples. But this scripture blew my mind. It blew my mind. And you'll say, Pastor, that's something simple. No, it's not. Because the Bible says in verse 12, he went and prayed all day. But then in verse 13, get that on the screen for me real quick. Well, verse 13 says simply this. And when the day came, he called his disciples to him 
and chose 12 of them. Can I, can, I, can I help you understand something today? The 12 is what we know about, but there were more that were following. Disciples are truly people who are committed to learn the will of that who teaches them, the Father. Can I make sure you understand something? At one point or another, you're going to be a disciple or be discipling somebody as it relates to something. See, some of us, we spend time at work and we gossip a lot. And as a result of being at work gossiping a lot, we're discipling future gossipers. That's, that's what we do. We teach them how to gossip. We teach them the, the protocols of whispering. We teach them the protocols of stabbing people in their back. We, we teach them those things. See, we, instead of teaching them how to be disciples of the gospel, we're making disciples of the gossip. We spend more time engaging people sometimes in the wrong things instead of the right things. But on this day, Jesus had a mass group of people following him. Why did he have a mass group of people following him? Because anywhere Jesus went, people came. Why? Because Jesus was associated with power. There was healing power. There was delivering power. There was provision power. Anything that relates to Jesus is power. This ain't even part of the message today, but I want to help you understand something. It is impossible for you to have Jesus in your life and you not have Power. How do you know this, Pastor? Because the Scripture says, all power that has been given unto me, I give it unto you. This is what Jesus does with his disciples. He relinquishes the same thing that is within him, and he shares it with them. Why? Because he says, if I can do it, you can do it too. He says that we have the same power, the same authority, the same power, the same God that has given it to him as the Father has given it to us. But on this day... Jesus has a mass group of people, but he picks 12. He picks 12, and the Bible says he, he calls his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. And what he does with this 12, the Bible says, whom he also named apostles. He gives them this office. He says, these are the people who have walked with me, who have talked with me. These are the people who know who I am. You're no longer just following me, but I have bigger plans for you. And so today I want to make sure that you understand, because you are chosen, God has a greater plan for you. And so I want to make sure you understand, what does it really mean to be chosen? How does this chosen process work? Because I believe in my heart that it's a three-step phase. There's a three-step phase to what it is when God chooses you. I want to make sure that you understand that today. The first thing that I believe that I see in the text is that when you're chosen, you're chosen on purpose. Can I help you understand that today? I know sometimes you think that things that you go through in life, they're accidents, they're flukes, like you shouldn't be the one going through this. Why does this burden have to be placed on my shoulder? But when God chooses you, he chooses you on purpose purpose. You don't believe me. It's in the text. He had a group of people, but he only selected a group of 12 to make apostles. It does not mean that he didn't love the other hundreds, the thousands, or whoever else was following him. It means that he had a unique plan for the 12, and so he chose them on 
purpose. So can I help you understand this? If you're walking with God in this season of your life, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're having children, whether you're not having children, whatever it is that you're going through at this moment, you have been called to go through it on purpose. When I began to look at that, it made things make sense. Because why? I spend so much time complaining about what my current situation is, who I have, who I don't have, where I'm going, where I'm not going, what I got, what I don't got. But the reality is, if I can ever get to the point and understand that the reason I am where I am is because God has put me here on purpose. He's chosen me to be here on purpose. I can't worry about who's talking about me and who's not talking about me. I can't worry about who shares my post and who doesn't share my post. The reality is whatever season in life that I'm in, I've been chosen by it on purpose. Why did he choose me on purpose? Because when he chooses you, he calls you to participate. He calls you to participate. When God chooses you, it means he wants you to be involved. Think about my son getting chosen for football. They didn't come and pick him just to be a bench warmer. They have plans for him. They said, listen, I see a future for you. And as a result of me seeing a future for you, I'm choosing you above everybody else. I'm choosing you for this particular role because I see something in you that I don't see in everybody else. Can you get to that point in your life, in your walk with God, that you stop crying about all the things that you're going through and you, you begin to say, if you've seen enough in me to put me here, that means that you know that this is something I can handle because your word says that you'll never put more on me than I can bear. If you've seen enough in me to put me here, that means that, that you will be in this with me because of the simple fact you said you will never leave me nor forsake me. The biggest trick of the enemy is to distract you from being focused on your purpose and be more engaged with your problem. That's where many of us are in life. We so caught up with our problem that we forget that we have so much potential and purpose. The Bible tells us over and over that he chose them on purpose. I think about him choosing them on purpose. I think about when he went to by the Sea of Galilee and he was preaching and teaching and, and Simon Peter was over there cleaning his nets. We've talked about this already. Simon Peter was over there cleaning his nets and, and Jesus didn't need to get in the boat. He was already teaching the gospel, Pastor Dates. He was already, Bates, he was already sharing the word with the people. But this is what happens. Jesus knows that, listen, I got plans for him somewhere down the line. And as a result of it, I need to use something of his now just so that I can get his attention so that he will follow me later. Can I help you understand something? What Luke is talking about in this text, he says he's chosen 12. Can I help you really understand what's happening here? He's chosen 12, which lets us know that Matthew, Mark, Peter, all of them had already been picked up, and they had been walking with him for a period of time. They've been walking with him over a period of time. Why do I need you to understand that? Because while they were walking with him for a period of time, guess what that means? It means that when Peter gave up all those fish that they had, he was still not elevated to a position of power. But yet he still followed. His name wasn't big in the Bible yet, but yet he still followed. He was just one of the many who was following him, but he still followed him. Why? Oh, this is good. Because he didn't follow for position. He followed for purpose. 
Many of us are failing in life because we're following for position, and if we're not following for position, we're following for provisions, when the reality is if we just follow him on purpose, everything else falls into place. This is why the text says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and what? All other things shall be added unto you, but this is what we do. We seek other things first, and then we say, God, when I get other things, I will do right by you. What you mean, pastor? You lying. No, I'm not, because some of us don't tithe, because we say, Lord, if you give me a raise, then I will tithe. Some of us are not faithful in the church because God, we're saying, if you give me a man, then I will come to church. We put everything else before God when God says, put me first and I'll give you everything else. And we wonder why we struggle. Can you imagine trying to bake a cake backwards? I mean, can you imagine literally putting a pan in the oven empty first, pulling the pan out of the oven, mixing the batter in the pan, trying to separate it in the mixing bowl? Can you imagine what that cake going to look like? What that cake going to take? You're going to have a hot, a hot mess, as Pastor Basin said. You, you're not going to have what you're really looking for. In order to get a cake, you got to go through the proper process, step by step. So why, why can't we do everything else step by step, but we can't do what God desires step by step? You have to be willing to follow before you could ever leave. You have to be willing to sow before you could ever reap. But many of us put everything else first. You know why? Because the biggest trick of the enemy is to make us think that all of this matters. All of this matters because to us, this is what's tangible. This is what we could feel. Did you forget that in the garden when, when Eve was talking to the serpent, Eve said, well, it doesn't look like it'll hurt me. Well, surely I won't die. Do you forget the conversation that was what was happening that when we thought we knew what was best for our own lives is when we make the biggest mess of our lives I want to make sure that you understand something if God has chosen you for your marriage I don't care how shaky things are you were chosen for it. now the catch is that God had to choose you for that union and not you choosing yourself. If God has chosen you for a position at work, I don't care how many people talk about you and put you down, that's where you're supposed to be. But you have to ask yourself, has God chosen me for this, or did I put myself in this situation? Could you imagine what would have happened to Peter if he had not waited for God to choose him? If Peter would have stood before people uh, while Jesus went up to the mountain and prayed, and Peter would have been like, listen, y'all, I've been with him the longest. He, caught, he was in my boat. Y'all do me a favor, man. Y'all, everybody get in a straight line. I need to count y'all. If Peter begins to start barking orders before God even tells him, I'm putting you in a position of authority. Many of us get beside ourselves in our walk with God. And as a result of that, we fall short. But this is the thing I love about being chosen. Not only am I chosen, 
on purpose. But the second thing that I come to grasp and I understand that I'm chosen with a purpose. Not only did he choose me on purpose, he didn't just throw a dart out there and whoever came, came. He uniquely selected me, but I'm chosen with the purpose. How do we know that we're chosen with the purpose? Because in that same verse, not only does he choose 12, but he says he chooses them to be what? Apostles. He already knows what he wants them to be before he even selects them. Why? Because he's prayed about it all day and all night. And the next morning, he made a move after getting confirmation from the Father. Somebody needs to hear that right now because you're making moves without getting confirmation from the Father. We've been tossing and turning. You've been wondering, what should I do and what should I not do? And sometimes change ain't easy because you're not supposed to change. Sometimes you're supposed to stay where you are. And the reality is that sometimes you're going to go through things as a believer. You don't believe me. The Bible says, those who suffer with me shall what? Reign with me. You have to go through things. So just because it doesn't look right don't mean it ain't right. Just because it doesn't feel right at that moment don't mean that you're not supposed to be there. Listen, I'll tell you this right now. I didn't want to be in Red Oak, Texas. That, that's just real talk. I'm from Dallas, Texas. I know plenty of people there. We had a thriving church there. I didn't ask God to send me here to start over. This is not what I was looking for. But God sent us here. We waited two years patiently just to get this place. Now that we got this place, we're already eager to get a new place to do bigger things. But the reality is, had I told God no within the two years, we never would have had this. We wouldn't have this moment. We wouldn't be engaging about who God is, what God does, and how chosen you are. Because when we tell God no, when we decide to do things our way, we not only say we don't care that you chose us on purpose, but we don't care what the purpose was that you chose us for. There are so many blessings. There are so many things that you're missing out on because you spent so much time in your life ignoring the call that God has put on your life. You've ignored the fact that God wants to use you, and as a result of it, you have missed your blessing after blessing, your deliverance, after deliverance, your provision, after provision, simply because of the fact you said, God, I heard you call my name, but uh, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm doing my own thing today. I, 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 you got a thousand other people. Why are you picking on me, Jesus? I don't want to be used by, by you today. Had they said no, it would have altered the full course of their life simply because of the fact that today wasn't a good day for them. Today wasn't a good day to serve. Today wasn't a good day to sow. Today wasn't a good day to seek. I, I, I wish, I wish God would treat some of us like we treat him. Mm, and that goes for me too. Uh, I'm not putting anything on anybody that I wouldn't put on myself. I wish that some mornings God would say, Chris, I, 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 I'm just going to make you choke a little bit and hold my breath that I've given you. Let me tell you something. I drank a Dr. Pepper. Sister Jackie, I don't know how you drink a Dr. Pepper. I, I was on the Dr. Pepper. I love them too. I, I don't know if I messed up trying to drink that thing out of a straw or whatever it was, but I, 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 I drank that thing last night. I, I don't know if I was sleepy and I needed to just go to bed. And something happened. It hit some part of me that just wasn't, wasn't right. And I began to choke 
like I couldn't catch my breath, walking around the house with my arms up like a baby, trying to figure this thing out. I'm just choking. And look, my wife is just sitting there just looking at me. And when I finally got my breath, I looked, I went over, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you pat me on my back? And she said, it wasn't going to do anything for you. You were doing the best thing that you, I was upset because she didn't intervene on my behalf while I was choking. Imagine what life would be like if God didn't move when you needed him to. If God just simply said, it's not a good day for me. I don't want to serve today. I'm going to sleep a couple of extra hours. I'll wake you up later. What would life be like if God says, you know what, I don't want to be God today. I don't want to do the right thing. I'm tired of giving to people who ain't giving back. What, what would life be like if God just said, no, not today? When we look at the text, the reason why Peter, James, John, and even Judas, who the scripture, the scripture clearly says will later betray him, they said yes because, number one, they were called on purpose, but they were called with a purpose. They were chosen with a purpose. You're not in existence by accident. God has chosen you on purpose, for a purpose. Just this week, just this week alone, uh, my dad, he made it. He called me, and, and uh, when he called me, his father is actually uh, going through some medical issues right now, so I thank him uh, for pushing through, because he actually called this morning and said, son, I'm not going to make it today. And, and, and not out of disrespect, but I, I just simply told my dad, well, you're number 16. You're number 16 for this week, because I've had 16 people say, they were not going to be at church on the day. And I kind of laughed about it, just like, well, we're still going to have church. And my dad said, son, it's not funny. <laughs> Shouldn't that many people be missing from church when we're just trying to get to where we needed to be? And I guess something turned on in him because he somehow pulled up. I got word that he was out there in the parking lot. I was like, no, man, I didn't want him to feel like he had to be here. But the reality is that when you're chosen, you know that there's a, a level of responsibility that is placed upon you. You have something that you have uniquely, can't nobody do what you do how you do. Noel walked in the building today. We were getting ready for our morning huddle. Noel, happy birthday to you. It's not many of us. I can freestyle a little bit today. She walked in, and I just knew her little young self was out turning, somewhere, turning up for her birthday. She wasn't <laughs> finna come to church. And she walked in that door this morning. I was like, Noel? Because I didn't know what I was going to do. How am I going to preach and run the slides at the same time? She has a purpose. And because she has a purpose, yeah. she placed herself in her position. I'm, I, I am so thankful for people who identify their purpose. Can I help you understand something? I talked to you about three steps. I want, to see, I want you to see the steps of what happened. Jesus, in the text, he says he went up to the mountain and he prayed. Verse 12, he went up to the mountain and he prayed. Then on verse 13, the Bible says, and, and when, he, when day came, he called his disciples to him, and uh, he chose 12 of them 
whom he also named apostle. The scripture uh, begins to, to name him in verse 14. Uh, it goes and says, Simon, who also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and, and James, the son of Ephesus, and, and, and Simon, who was called Zalot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas of Issachar, who would betray who would become a traitor. Verse 17, Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. I want to make sure that you understand what happens. In verse 13, and when they came, he called his disciples to him. Can I help you understand something? That level one, when we look at the text, when we understand that you're chosen on purpose, uh, the first step that you're going to take is a step up. And the reason why you're going to take that step up, because God has chosen you to come to where he is. Have you, have you, do you remember the first time you got saved or the first time you knew that you were going to be a preacher or a singer, how on fire you was? It was just like everything was just so rich and nothing could go wrong. So what people were talking about you? So what people were sending in the church? I don't care because the fire of the Lord is upon me. I'm going to bring transformation, things to be different. You know that feeling. I, I can identify that feeling. And, and so what happens, the reason why you have that feeling is because you've stepped up. You stepped up to a place and you're actually in the presence of God and you're, you're feeling that anointing. God has spoken into your life. That is the moment you know that you have been chosen. And so you have an identity that you know now. I'm not just walking through life trying to figure this thing out. So you're, on, you're chosen, and now you're on fire. You're like, man, I'm going to go do some things. But then something happens because every time God brings you up, I want you to see what ends up happening. Because verse 17 says, and Jesus came down with them. So Jesus brought the 12 up to where he was. This is going to hurt somebody. This is going to hurt somebody maybe on YouTube later. But he didn't bring you up to stay there. He didn't bring you up to a position of authority so that you can look down on somebody else. That's not what he did. And so he says, I've chosen you on purpose, and I've chosen you with a purpose so that you're going to be my apostles. So now that my purpose, what your purpose is, I bring you up to tell you a purpose, but now I need to send you back down. The catch is he doesn't send you down by himself. By yourself. He, he goes down with you. Verse 17 says, Jesus came down with them. And this is what he said. He said he stood at a level place. And there was a large crowd of his disciples. And what happens is that all of these people are there. And as you read the text, if you look at verse 18, verse 19, when you look at this, People were sick. People were broke. People were hurt. And Jesus brings them down to a level place. Mike, thanks for walking in. Come here real quick, Mike. Pastor Bates, come, come here real quick. Dad, come, 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 Dad. Minister Deborah, come. Uh, come. Sister Linda, can you make it? You good? Come on. You ain't got to talk. I ain't going to make you talk. I've been praying for Sister Linda. Come. And now, I've called Mike. Help up. Make sure she's up here. I've called them up to a place. We can all kick it and chill right here, guys. We ain't got to do nothing else. But the reality is that there's work to be done. And, and, and work is hard to do from here. All we can do is point. 
And so essentially what Jesus does, he says, listen, I need y'all to go with me. Let's, let's go down. And he puts them at a level place. We're at a level place, not saying y'all got problems, but in front of us are people with problems. And the Bible goes and it says this. Bible goes and says this, that, that the people begin to just try to press charge Jesus. And the reason why they're pressing towards Jesus is because they want to be healed. They want to experience this healing. Come here, Isaiah. Come here, Madison. Madison, sleep. That's all right. Go to, you want to come here? Come here, girl. Come here. You good. You sleep? All right. So they, they want to be healed. Malik, you sleep? Come here. Come here, Malik. We're going to hurry up and get y'all to Children's Church. We're gonna. They want to. Come here, Leah. Come here. Come on, baby. I see you looking at me. I ain't going to forget you. So they want to be, they want to be healed. They, they want things to happen in their life. They want to experience transformation. And all of them are pressing towards Jesus, but I just told you that you're chosen on purpose and you're chosen with a purpose. The thing is that I need you to understand that there will be a season in your life where you're going to watch somebody else do what it is that they have to do. Why? Because th there's going to come a time where it's going to be your turn to do it. See, this is what happens with true discipleship because God bless you. Y'all stay right here. Matter of fact, Zaya, you go to Minister Deborah. Go, Aaliyah, go to my dad. You go to Mike or somebody right here. This is essentially what happens in, in, in reality. They've chosen on purpose. They're chosen with a purpose. But there comes a time where Jesus Christ dies on the cross for our sins. And when he dies on the cross for our sins, he, he comes back after, after being buried he comes back and he, he, he talks to his disciples. He catches them fishing, doing everything else that they're supposed to do. And Jesus gives them one command. He says, listen, I want you to go and make other disciples yeah. of all nations. Yeah. You've been chosen on purpose. You've been chosen with a purpose. Now you've been chosen for a purpose. And the reason why you have to understand that it's a difference between being chosen with a purpose because with a purpose only tells you what you're called to do. But when you know that you have a purpose, it changes what you do and how you do it. When Jesus removes himself from the equation, what has to happen? These people now have to activate themselves. Because the healing that people came to experience from Jesus, they're going to experience from them. This is why, y'all can go sit down. This is why the church is so weak now. Because so many people that should have the authority of God, that should have the power of God, that should be considered apostles, that have walked with Jesus, that I don't know about you, but I got a testimony of how God has changed my life. And if God has changed my life, why can't I teach somebody else? Why can't I share with somebody else? Why can't I help somebody else? God is not this, this secret treasure that I got to keep locked up inside. Bible simply says that he chose them because they were disciples, and he chose them with a purpose, and their purpose was to make more disciples. Wow. But how do you make more disciples when you haven't even been discipled yourself? How are you going to tell somebody else about a God that the only reason you do what you do is because you're you a little bit and I hate to say it, superstitious, is if you don't go to church, everything's going to go wrong. Jesus, Jesus does all that he does. And the reason why this is so important, because when you look at verse 20 through 45, read it when you get a chance. He picked 12 out. He gave 12 a title. He put 12 in a position to watch him to observe him so that one day they could imitate him. 
literally why these people are getting healed, why people are coming and talking about their divorce, why people are coming and talking about their financial issues, why people are coming to talk about their health issues, their parents, when people are coming and talking about all their problems, literally why all this is happening and they're taking power from Jesus. Their, their, their lives are being changed from Jesus. He ain't having to lay hands or nothing. People are just coming and their lives will be changing. I can just see what happens because the Bible says Jesus looks at his disciples, speaking about the 12, and he says to them, blessed are the peacemakers. He begins to educate them in the midst of everything that's going on. Why? Because he says one day you will fulfill your purpose. People talk about me and my wife's marriage right now and how great it is. Y'all a beautiful couple, beautiful children. That was sometimes she wanted to kill me. May still want to kill me now. I don't know. <laughs> it ain't always been peaches and cream. We've been through the storm. We've been through the struggle. People will come and look at this and say, oh, this is nice. Y'all are doing some things. Y'all are growing. Like, they don't know about two years worth of setting up and breaking down. They don't know about the struggle of, of leaving one city and coming to another city. You're going to go through a process, but I promise you, your process leads you to a purpose. You will go through things in your life, but I promise you, it gets you to somewhere where you belong. God will never put more on you than you can bear. It seems stressful. There are times where now, even now, in this place where it seems like we got everything together, it seems stressful. But I go through it knowing that God has something for me. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you, because some of you came here today stressed out. You stressed out so bad, you don't even know if you wanted to get out of bed this morning. Some of you be stress eating like me. I, I know, getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning, getting some, some donuts out of the refrigerator, out of the pantry and everything. I understand. I understand. Life will bog you down if you try to live life your own way. This is not ours to control. Our life is not our own. When Christ died on the cross for us, this is why I played that video earlier, he took everything that could possibly be bad about us and poured it upon himself. This is why even when I some Sundays, I want a Sunday off and don't want to show up. I still show up. Because I am forever in debt to God. I am forever his servant. I have, I have to live to serve him. Simply, if it's not for what he's done for me, it's the fact that he's chose me. He's chose me to do something that, that only he designed me to do. I'm not in competition with no other preachers. I'm not worried about anybody because I'm, I'm me. Sister Linda, we were praying for her. She went through oral surgery this week, and she, she, she texted me and said, Pastor, I'm not going to make it to, to, to do the cleaning of the church. That's what she does. She, that's her ministry. And, and you know it's candy on the floor now, so I didn't do a good job. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I can't do what she does. She's uniquely designed. She pay attention to details I don't even think about. That's what she does. Mr. Deborah was laughing at my wife because I'm sitting up here trying to fix something. And I'm, I'm not reading the instructions, and she like, just read the instructions. And it was telling me to go counterclockwise. I'm trying to go clockwise. She's uniquely designed to deal with me. Ain't no other woman could fool with me. She's uniquely designed. for. She's been chosen for this. 
I'm so funny. We were talking about how in middle school, and I close on this. We were in middle school. We were we were dating. She was my little middle school sweetheart. She didn't know what she had in front of her back then. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought I was spitting game or something. I don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit came upon me way back then. But I looked at her in eighth grade and said, you're going to be my wife. And, and I was like, why did I just say that? <laughs> Lo and behold, she's my wife. Ain't now one of us had no issues outside of our marriage or nothing. This is, this is, this is my partner. This is my partner. This is who God created me to be with. Even when I fell short, even when I done wrong, God says, you know what, I'm going I'm to fix it for you, son. That's the beautiful thing about being chosen. And the greatest thing is that even though you're chosen, doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because God said he picked 12. Judas was one of them. And Judas later on went to betray him. There's some bad theology out there that says Judas was designed to betray God from the get-go. I want to make sure that you understand that at any point in time, God could have been betrayed. Judas made a conscious decision to betray God. God already knew that Judas would be faced with a decision, but he made a conscious decision. God does not create you to fail. I want to make sure that you understand that. These bad relationships that you've been in are not what God has designed for you. Stress about your job, being in financial debt, is not what God has designed for you. Because it contradicts everything that he says in the beginning. He says that you are to be fruitful and multiply, to do the earth, and it's yours. That's what he says. So any thought that you have that God wants you to fail is incorrect. Now, you will go through struggles and storms because of sin. Now, it's here. But it's not what God wants you to go through. God has a unique plan for each and every last one of you. And the reason why I want to stress this more than anything, this is just what God laid on my heart for today, is because whether you do it here or you do it somewhere else, you have to do what God wants you to do for you to receive what God has for you. If you don't do what God wants you to do, you'll never receive what God has for you. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been an able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion, you're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at BelieverCity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.